the tweet says two days until payday and where the toilet paper normally goes it's a stack of coffee filters <laughs> And it's that special time of the week as we put a wrap on another good week of shows here on Unscripted as we welcome you to this 415th episode of Unscripted and what we like to call Freeform Friday as Chris goes on to our Twitter account, looks for things that interest him. He finds something, we talk about it, we banter about and move on to the next subject. You know the routine. It's been really a fun way to end the week. And uh, having said that, I'll hand the microphone over to the executive producer of Unscripted and get this party started. We welcome to this 415th episode, Mr. Fluke. Thanks, Mike. Okay, let's go. The Onion at the Onion reports China to overtake U.S. as world's biggest asshole by 2020. I don't think it'll take 20 till, well, yeah, 2020 is like how many days away now, I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. Um, I remember as a kid, and I'm going back you know, a thousand years, but, you know, the United States was always the great power. You know, we we had great military power. We were a great economic power. Uh, we were the leaders in the business community. Right now, we're lucky if we make the top 10. I really, you know, we just have not had a good time. I think we are probably acquiescing a little bit too much to the Chinese these days, but you know what? <laughs> All I'm going to say in this regard is that they have a right to voice their opinion too. And if they don't like what things, you know, the way things are going. And all of this garbage started with this tweet that the Houston Rockets general manager, Daryl Morley, about something in Hong Kong. And, and uh, obviously in the eyes of the Chinese government, he took the wrong side. And in, in, in retribution of that, the Chinese have been one of the biggest supporters of the NBA and they have stopped airing NBA games in the country of China. How long that lasts, I don't know. One of the great assets that the NBA had in China was Yao Ming, uh, because Yao Ming, of course, was a uh, number one draft pick years ago of the Houston Rockets, seven foot six center. Uh, had a great, had a good career. I don't know if it's a great career, but he had a good career in Houston, never won a championship, did get inducted into the Hall of Fame. But uh, I just think it was more because he was the first Chinese born player to be number one. Uh, drafted overall, and he, he he was a contributing factor on a lot of good Houston teams. Never great Houston teams, but good Houston teams. And right now it seems like Yao Ming and his boys are a little pissed off at the old United States, and especially more specifically, I suppose, Adam Silver, because Adam Silver uh, backed his general manager from Houston in this regard, saying, we, uh, we back Daryl Morty because we have... In the United States, the NBA is a U.S.-based brand. We enjoy the freedom of speech in America. And that's, you know, it got cheers from Greg Popovich and, and Steve Kerr. But overall, there were some people in China that wanted Daryl Morley fired for what he said on this tweet. And you know what? You know, the NBA, just like any professional sports league, is a business, first and foremost. And if you're not being supported by one of your biggest business partners, then maybe Daryl Morley should have been sacrificed. I don't know. 
But all I know is that the revenues are down this year in the NBA, and a lot of it has to do with China being pissed off with them right now. And I think that as great as I think Adam Silver is, and I still think he's the best general right now, he's the best commissioner in all of the big four professional sports, I think he is the best commissioner right now. I think the NFL would love to have Adam Silver as its commissioner. Having said that, this is the first big issue since the Donald Sterling thing in regard to when he, the racist owner, the then racist owner of the Los Angeles Clippers, this is the biggest thing, the biggest hurdle that Silver is going to have to overcome. And I'm going to be watching this with a lot of interest over the next days and weeks because the NBA to thrive and survive needs the input, the money, and a lot of, and the, and the, the, the way to increase their brand around the world we need to get, the NBA does, needs to get China back on the right side. And this is going to be one of the big challenges that Adam Silver is going to face in his tenure as the uh, commissioner of the NBA. Okay. Uh, Denver Broncos 365 at Daily Broncos. And it just doesn't seem like unscripted if we go a week without bashing this guy. So uh, Jack Del Rio says that John Elway had every box checked on Russell Wilson in the 2012 draft. Every box except for one. Height. Elway went on to draft six foot eight Brock Osweiler yeah. instead. Yeah, you know, um, I really enjoy giving Tooth some shit because I just, you know, I think that he's one of these guys that are living on past laurels. As you know, this guy probably saved football in Denver. I mean, John Elway was everything in Denver, and remember, he's the guy that pushed his way out of Baltimore. He was originally drafted by the Baltimore Colts, but I digress. He has been running the Denver Broncos football operations now, I believe, for 12 years. And in that time, yes, they've won one Super Bowl, but since that Super Bowl win with somebody else's quarterback, the Broncos have been irrelevant. And you would think with a guy that, has, that comes from the quarterback pedigree that Elway does, his father was a coach, Jack Elway was once the coach at San Jose State, was also his coach at one time. Uh, he wasn't the head coach, but John, Jack Elway was on staff at Stanford when John Elway was at Stanford playing uh, quarterback for the football team and right field for the baseball team. People forget that John Elway was also drafted highly by the New York Yankees years ago and actually played some games for the New York Yankees years ago when he was trying to get his trade from Baltimore to Denver and he was threatening to go play baseball. And he did play some baseball for the New York Yankees. People forget about that. But again, I digress. We're talking about his skills as a front office administrator. And I think they're lacking. And I think, and I've said this before, and I don't mean to sound repetitive, so I'll just say this one last time. I believe if Pat Bolin, if Mr. Bolin, who, I just found this out, Pat Bolin is from a city that I was that I was born in, and I was I was born in an adjacent city that was only about 25 miles away. I was born in a city named Boscobel, Wisconsin, down in Grant County, Wisconsin. And Pat Bolin is from Prairie du Chien, Wisconsin, which is right on the Mississippi River, just on the other side, on the Wisconsin side of the Iowa border. Anyway, as you get over that little geography lesson, I think if Mr. Bolin was still at control and of the right mind as the owner of the Denver Broncos, I believe Mr. Bolin would have fired John Elway already. Okay, McNeil at reflog underscore 18. This is a real obituary that was in 
the uh, in some newspaper somewhere, a real one for a gentleman named Donald Miller. Shows a picture of the guy. Looks like he had a good long life. Uh, but anyway, I'll read just the first three sentences of this real obituary. Donald Keith Miller passed away peacefully on October 10th, 2019 at the Cleveland Clinic's Hospice Care Center. At the time, the Browns were two and three. There is some comfort in knowing he won't have to endure the rest of the season. <laughs> well, you know, uh, both of us, Chris and I, have both been saying this year that Cleveland has been a major disappointment. And this is what happens when people get wrapped up in the hype. There was so much hype around this football team because we all remember a couple seasons ago, they went through a two-year period where they were 1-31. and 31. There was a 1-15 season, and then there was an 0-16 season. We got so wrapped up this year, we as football fans in general, got, and I got caught up in it too because, you know what, I got to be honest. Back in the radio days and WKNR in Cleveland, I had some of my most passionate and and devoted listeners. They they listened to me weekly. I remember when the Browns were moving to Baltimore and I was on the radio one night in Cleveland and Mayor Michael White came on and said to me on national radio that I love what you do and I love that you support the city of Cleveland and the dog pound fans that are getting screwed right now by Art Modell. I'll never forget that. Um, I have a great deal of compassion for the Cleveland Browns because minus the Cleveland Cavaliers NBA championship run in 2016, Cleveland hadn't won anything. They hadn't even come close. And um, we got so wrapped up with the trade for OBJ and bringing in all these guys and bringing in Jarvis Landry from from Miami and, and, uh, you know, guys, I don't care if you bring in the greatest 22 players in the history of the national football league, put them in their primes and get them ready for this season. It takes time to gel. It takes time to mesh. It takes time to find that camaraderie. And we had just gotten so wrapped up in it that we were putting the Cleveland Browns as AFC North division champions. And then a potential, a potential threat to the new England Patriots for supremacy in the AFC because John Dorsey has huge cojones and went out and made some really big deals and drafted aggressively. Problem here still is twofold. It's still the Cleveland Browns. And I, I, this is the one thing we talk about Vic Fangio this year failing in Denver, and he has failed miserably. But if you want to look at a guy that has not done very well this year as a first-year head coach, I think you've got to look by what they commonly refuse to used to call the mistake by the lake. Freddie Kitchens has not done, in my opinion, he has not done as well as he did at the end of last year. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's because Greg Williams is now the defensive coordinator in New York. I don't know what it is. But there are some guys that should be head coaches in this league, and there are some guys that should be offensive and or, you know, and or defensive coordinators. I think Freddie Kitchens may fall into that category of being an offensive coordinator slash quarterback coach. A lot of people don't get all of the extra responsibilities and extra duties that come with being a head coach. 
some guys just like the camaraderie with their players and the teaching aspect of being an assistant coach. You know, Jimmy Johnson was very good at this, and that's why Jimmy Johnson was so successful during his years with the Dallas Cowboys and why the Dallas Cowboys have never successfully replaced Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy ran it like he was the CEO. Jimmy delegated. He had Norv Turner as his offensive coordinator. I can't remember who his defensive coordinator was at the time, but he was a big-time defensive coordinator. But Jimmy just sat there in his suits and ties and looking all nice with his hair all flicked back, and he was there to deal with the media and deal with the everyday bullshit of being the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. He was very good at it. But it was funny. I was listening to Matt LaFleur a couple weeks ago, the head coach of the Green Bay Packers, who's off to a 6-1 and one start. He's the best first-year coach. He's doing the best of all the first-place or first-time coaches this year with a 6-1 and one record. Now, he took over a team that had Aaron Rodgers on it and a few other pieces, but still, 6-1 and one in your first year. But Matt LaFleur came out and told Rob Domofsky from the Green Bay... Uh, he used to write for the Green Bay Press Gazette. He now writes for ESPN, but out of Green Bay. He told Domofsky that he can't believe all the extracurricular stuff that he has to deal with that he never had to deal with when he was working for Shanahan or working for whomever or working for McVeigh in Los Angeles or working for Mike Vrabel last year with, with the Tennessee Titans. When he was just the offensive coordinator, it was teach, teach, teach. There's so much more involved with being the head coach that sometimes I think it can be a bit overwhelming. And I think Freddie Kitchens has gotten caught up in this in Cleveland for damn sure. All right, this uh, harkens back to uh, the days where a lot of us had no money or in college or whatever the situation was. So uh, Busty Rusty at Ray LaRimson posted a picture of a bathroom and where the toilet paper roll normally goes. Um, well, I'll just say the tweet says two days until payday and where the toilet paper normally goes, it's a stack of coffee filters. <laughs> Many, many, many moons ago, when I was in the military, um, you got paid 600 and I think it was like $631 every two weeks. And I had to live off of that. And I remember one time, end of the month, and I was running low, and I remember using tree leaves. And I'll just use it at that, leave it wow. at that. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, she also sent a tweet. This is totally unrelated, but she had another one that I liked, and it just says, "A meeting without food should be an email." Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. No, I I remember being that uh, scarce of funds that um, I had to use tree leaves. Wow, amazing. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> New York Post at NY Post. Lucky I didn't get poison ivy. Yeah. Oh, that would, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Especially in that area, that yeah. really would have been, really would have hurt. <laughs> that would be funny. Uh, okay, so the New York Post uh, tweeted this headline. Mom finds missing teen girl by spotting her on Pornhub. And uh, so then Anthony Jeselnik, at Anthony Jeselnik, the excellent comedian, just said, no follow-up questions. <laughs> <laughs> so this mother found her daughter on Pornhub? Yeah. That's like the number one... I don't know where it ranks, but it's, it's like the number one rated it's porn certainly site. A, a yeah. well-known name. No, for I've sure. I've heard of Pornhub but, before. Uh, yeah. Not that, a, not a subscriber, just familiar with it. But I, I just love Justin Lick's tweet there because I mean, how many questions do you have? Like, 
Have you uh, seen uh, Chessel, Jessel Nick's new show? New show? He's got no. a new show on uh, oh, on the uh, comedy network. It's like a in, like an a, interview show. Yeah. yeah, he sits down with other comedians and yeah, good and talk. I think it's called exactly. Yeah. It's a good show. You should check it oh, out. Yeah, if he's, you have. he's good. I've, he's I've watched, very funny. I've watched him perform here live. It, oh, uh, you have? Yeah, I've seen him in Calgary. He we watched him at uh, the Blackfoot Inn. The, oh yeah, the laugh yeah. shop. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, by the way, I saw that I was driving. I drive by the Blackfoot Inn on my way to work, and uh, I saw they're bringing Jay Farrow in, who you might not know, but he's. I this, do. Oh, you yeah. know Jay Farrow, yeah. amazing imitations. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Pretty much any black entertainer. That's he, right. He does a perfect imitation. He does a very good Chris Rock. Chris Rock, Eddie Murphy. Oh yeah. His Eddie Murphy is bang on. Uh, Kevin Hart. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Any of those guys. Any of the rappers. Jay Z. I heard that. Um, Hart, Hart had recently had a really bad accident. Yeah, car accident was uh, it? Yeah, really bad car accident. I, I actually haven't heard lately, but he, uh, I think he broke his back or something. Like it was, it was bad. So mm. uh, I, I think he's supposed to be okay, but I haven't heard anything lately. I, that's actually something I need to uh, check out here. He has a new Kevin Hart does. Here's a free plug for Sirius Satellite Radio. Two things. First of all, I love. And it's just on a limited basis, but I love Channel 105 right now. They're doing old reruns of the Johnny Carson show, The Tonight Show, which is hilarious. Even on radio, it's hilarious. And I also like the new, on Channel 96, I like the new Kevin Hart channel. Um, uh, It's a comedy channel. And uh, free plug there for Sirius, uh, even though, you know, Ron Barr once was involved with Sirius. Um, I do uh, like those two channels, 105 and Channel 96 has been very good to me so far. Okay, so uh, the gamblersreport.com at Gamblers Report just says 70s Vegas. And so they show uh, just an old picture of the strip. So I thought I'd just bring up some of these old hotels. But so when did you first move to the to Vegas? What year? Um, I'd been there many times, but I officially moved there to finish at UNLV. I finished, uh, I was there in early 92. Okay, and so when was the first time you maybe took a trip to Vegas then? And like, um, I turned twenty-one in. Let's see, I was graduated high school in seventy-five. No, I turned twenty. No, I turned eighteen in nineteen eighty-three. So I turned twenty-one in eighty-six. Oh, sorry, I meant eighty-five. So yeah, I it would have been nineteen eighty-six my first trip to Vegas. Oh, okay, like just with some friends or yeah. like just okay. So yeah. you knew it then. I was in the military. And um, when I turned 21, and uh, we took a trip from L.A. over to Vegas, and that was my first trip to Las Vegas. So I'm going to say it was in 1986, 87, somewhere in there. Oh, okay. So uh, I've just, I know I've heard of some, I've heard of all these hotels, actually. Obviously, Circus Circus is still there. Still around, in yeah. desperate need of a renovation. Oh, jeez. Yeah. And so many people these days have fears of clowns. Oh, yeah. So uh, that's a, that'd yeah. be a tough, I don't, but I mean, that'd be a tough one for a lot of it's people. A, you know, the, I will say this about Circus Circus. It is a very good place because of the amusement park inside for kids um but it is in, it's one of those that are in desperate need of a renovation yeah. okay i'll just list off a couple of these that i can view, see in this picture and see if you have any thoughts on them uh the stardust stardust is gone now it's on the corner of where um the trump tower is now on the other side of the street from treasure island i remember the stardust because that's where i learned how to play blackjack because at that time they had dollar tables and even if you sucked at blackjack, you couldn't really lose that much money on a dollar table. And that was a good place to cut my teeth on uh, on uh, 
on blackjack. The Stardust was also the first hotel that had a strike, to my recollection, in Las Vegas. Mm. And um, it's funny to walk into a Vegas strip casino and see nobody in there. Yeah. It was really weird. That is weird. Yeah. Stardust yeah. is obviously not there anymore, though. Yeah. Uh, none of these are except for Circus Circus. Uh, the Frontier Hotel. Um, been in there. Uh, don't have many, many good memories of it. Um, but uh, I also played one or two dollar blackjack at this at that hotel as well. I believe this is the Riviera. Riviera is still standing today. Um, is it? Yeah, it is. Called uh, that? Yeah. Uh, really? Yeah. Well, no. Excuse me. It's not. Excuse me. It's not. It's the second tower. I'm getting my hotels okay. mixed. But the, where the Stardust used to be is where Encore is now. Oh, okay. Uh, that's for Riviera? What? Right. Oh, okay. Gotcha. And then uh, this one, I believe I believe uh, this ho- uh, hotel is where Doyle Brunson used to run the card room, the poker room, which was the old Silverbird. I have never, never been in that one. No. Okay. Yeah. No. It's gone now. But oh, yeah. I, I, I no. Uh-uh. Um. Hotel Continental was on Paradise. That's behind the strip, down the street from the Las Vegas Hilton, which was which was made famous by that's where uh, they had a presidential suite for Elvis Presley all the time. Um, that's right behind. Uh, that's on Paradise. That's right behind the strip. Um, the biggies that are still there to this day, from when I was there the first time in '87, the only ones that I can still recall that were there in '86, '87 that are still there today. The Flamingo, which is the first hotel. The Flamingo's still there. Geezer's Palace is still there. <laughs> um, and you know what? I, I think that's pretty much it. Um, you know, where Bally's is now used to be the old MGM. But the MGM has relocated. It used to be on Flamingo and the Strip. It's now on Tropicana in the Strip. Um, so there isn't a lot still there, obviously, from uh, when I my first trip back in the mid '80s. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, XFL news here. So, quick trivia for you: the XFL had their draft on October fifteenth. Yep. How many rounds was it? I have no idea. I'm going to say five rounds. Seventy-one. 71 rounds. Yeah, wow. they where they had to oh, draft. Did they did sorry, but did they like draft by position? They just had to fill out the rosters of the 568 guys. Okay. So that's what they did. But anyway, we're going to see a maximum of 567 of the 568 play in the XFL because there's a gentleman from uh Tennessee who named Corey Vereen who um who is not going to be uh playing because he uh, apparently is a fairly smart guy on his own, and he's already he already has a career as a software developer mm. where he makes quite a bit more money than he would in the XFL. Right. So the XFL informed agents, and this is on Deadspin at Deadspin, by the way, the XFL informed agents a week before its draft that non-quarterbacks, because quarterbacks get their own uh, tier of salary, so they get yeah. more. Yeah. But non-quarterbacks would receive $2,080 every two weeks they're under contract for a max base salary of $27,040 for the season. There are $1,685 in bonuses for being uh, on an active game day roster and another $2,222 for players on the winning team. A player who is active for all 10 games and is on a team that goes 5-5 would earn $55,000 for the season. 
So then uh, Corey Vereen through Logan Brown Sports uh, released uh, a press release talking about that. And then actually, instead of going to that, I'll just go to his direct quotes. How are you going to sit here and get all these people together and try to get the best talent for your league and pay them $27,000, Breen said. I love the game, but I'm not going to be taken advantage of at the end of the day. I have an engineering degree. I'm a software developer. My current job makes more than that. I'm not doing that, unfortunately. It looked like a great opportunity. Well, you know what? I disagree with this guy for the simple fact that he has, and he should be very grateful for that, he has an education in his back pocket. He has the skills to do something else. I'm appreciative of the XFL finding 500 and whatever more jobs and giving guys opportunities. You know, guys are going to be in this league to pay their dues and hopefully get some of them back to the NFL, some of them getting a chance to get to the NFL for the first time. And you know what? You don't start, you know, on the you don't start up at the CEO level. And I'm very appreciative to Mr. McMahon and Oliver Luck, the commissioner, for giving guys another opportunity to play football. We're running out of opportunities. Right now, you've got, obviously, the NFL. You've got the CFL. You've got the XFL. You've got some, I think you still have some teams in the indoor league, I'm not the arena league, whatever. But this is not like basketball, where you have leagues all over the world or 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 uh, a number of different sports that have leagues all over the world and giving more opportunities. The football world is a small one. And if these guys want to take the chance and take a chance on themselves, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy for this guy, the software developer. He's fortunate that he's got the skills that in, in this day and age that will, you know, that, that will find a way into somebody's boardroom someday. He should take advantage of that. But don't poo-poo on the XFL. The XFL is in a developmental league. They're trying to develop athletes and football players to maybe get that one last shot or that one first shot at playing at the ultimate level, which is the National Football League. And the more eyes that see you give you that better chance of somebody actually taking a chance on you. Don't poo-poo the XFL. Praise the XFL for giving people a chance to do what they love to do. And if they take a chance, what the hell? If it doesn't work, again, what the hell? But at least they're given the opportunity to do so. Yeah, it's actually an interesting issue because it's one of those issues where, you know, you can have a real debate and both sides have great points to make about it. But see, what I'm a little bit ticked off about this guy is, does he expect to get paid like National Football League guys? The National Football League's been around, depending on if you're on, if you're in Green Bay or you're in Chicago, somewhere between 100 and 101 seasons. So they have been through trials and tribulations and, and the whole thing. That's why you've got guys making $134 million over the next four years. That happens to be Aaron Rodgers as an example. But this is an established league that's been around for 100 years. The XFL is trying to do it right this time, and I think they're going about it the right way. And I think if anything that we've learned, that especially from the failed AAF or AFA or Farts Anonymous or whatever the hell it is, is that they tried, and this is kind of surprising to me in regard to Charlie Ebersol, knowing what he knows from his experience with his dad and his dad's best buddy, Mr. McMahon, in the XFL 1, he never seemed to learn those mistakes. And Charlie even had CBS on board with a television contract, so I don't know why the AFA failed so miserably, but Let's not poo-poo too much on the XFL. They're giving people an opportunity to do something that just 
it just isn't out there. It it just, you know, it's not like you can go to to the Mexican League or you can go down to the Dominican and play baseball or you can go to Europe or you can go to a myriad of different countries and and try to make it playing basketball. Um, even the, even hockey has more opportunities. If you look at besides the National Hockey League, you've still got the uh, American Hockey League. You've still got the uh, uh, what's that one over in Russia that I was making KHL? fun of? Thank you. Right, the Kindergarten Hockey League. You know, you still have more options in hockey than you do in football. This is an opportunity for football players that want to give it one last kick or one first kick at the can. This is their opportunity to do so. Let's applaud that. You're not going to get guys that are going to make NFL money in the XFL. That's not what it's all about. This is given opportunity to guys that think that they can make it to the next level and then potentially get paid like a professional athlete. Uh, it's shocking that Charlie Ebersol made a documentary about a football yes. league that made mistakes and then and made a football even, league and yeah. made the same mistakes. And couldn't even make it one season. Yeah, that was that's unbelievable. That's, uh, wow, good job. Chuck, again. <laughs> Man, a lot of people named Chuck this week making dumb decisions um, and saying stupid shit or doing stupid shit. Uh, but I will say that I would actually compare the XFL to, you know, uh, like a professional wrestler wannabe who is like slept in their car like Mick Foley used to before they mm -hmm. made it big or move into Hollywood and being a waiter or waitress. Absolutely. Server, and, and, you know, you get paid shit and you suck it up. and then But then it's risk versus reward, huge risk. But if you hit... It's like you're set for life. And so I think that's the best way to look that at it. That is a fabulous analogy. That is, I mean, that that's right on. I can't, I'm going to shut my mouth because I can't better <laughs> that. That was well said. Sounds good. Thank you. Uh, okay. So there is a WNBA player. Her name is Skylar Diggins-Smith. I've and, heard of her. Yeah. And Bleacher Report, Bleacher Report. I played the entire season pregnant last year, all-star and led the league in minutes per game. I didn't tell a soul. Holy crap. How's that for an athletic accomplishment wow. you might not have heard of before? Whoa, I, I don't... Yeah, I mean, um, that's certainly a statement you wouldn't hear in the NFL, would you? Yeah, um, no. You know, I, I, I don't know how to respond to that. I have heard of this young lady. I know she's a terrific basketball player. But to play basketball at the highest level in women's... Or one of the highest levels of women's basketball, I don't think there's a higher level than the WNBA. Some would think maybe over in Europe or some higher leagues, but I don't agree with that. Um, but for her to play pregnant, man, how do you do that? I mean, and wouldn't you be afraid of getting injured and then potentially, you know, I, I, I have mad props for that young lady for doing that. Holy Toledo. That, I, I would have to put her in the I am committed to my sport category. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah, She's pregnant and still plays. That's amazing. That's pretty amazing. I can't believe. I, be, I, I wonder if she told her doctors. Because I wouldn't think that her OBGYN, isn't that amazing how I know that? Yeah. Uh, yeah pretty scary. That's what happens when you live in a house full of women. Um, I bet her OBGYN didn't, didn't know about that because I would think he, uh, she would tell her, there's not a chance in hell that you're going to play basketball yeah. while you're pregnant. Well, she says she didn't tell a soul. So. Well, obviously, and that's why I'm thinking. Yeah. I, I don't think she probably told her OBGYN. Okay. okay. Well, uh, I think we're going to go do two more here. Okay. So I want this to be the second last one here. So for the win at for the win, Michael Irvin thinks the Cowboys should sign Antonio Brown. Well, I think, first of all, Michael Irvin is full of shit. Um, I don't believe that Antonio Brown will play in the National Football League again. 
And for the simple fact, if I can't believe that A, Antonio Brown couldn't, you know, find some comfort playing with the Oakland Raiders, who are the ultimate vagabond franchise. They have made a living and they've based their reputation on, on second chance city. And then the ultimate reclamation project would be the New England Patriots, and he can't make it work there. I refuse to watch the NFL Network these days because I cannot listen to Michael Irvin and Deion Sanders try to outscream each other. Both of them have the have the obviously have the qualifications. They're both Hall of Famers. They're both Super Bowl champions. They were both All Pro numerous times. But it's like listen. I would think it'd be like listening to Russell Westbrook and James Harden in a huddle bitching about who's going to take the next shots or who's going to handle the ball. They're always trying to one up each other, and I can't stand it. Michael Irvin um, does some. Uh, football work for TSN, so we get him up here in Canada, plus he does his work on the NFL Network. And you know what? He's got a lot of good ideas, but it's always at such a high volume that it gives me a headache, and I can't, I can't do that. So um, I, I, I personally do not think, A, the Cowboys need that headache on their roster. They've got enough problems as it is right now. And second of all, again, I do not believe that Antonio Brown deserves another chance in the NFL. Okay, so here uh, on the last one, I just uh, it was just a story that was posted on Twitter. It doesn't really matter where it's from, but uh, this is under not knowing your audience. Uh-oh. Okay, so this is not understanding the hand that feeds you or your target demographic or anything like that. So imagine being a Kelowna, BC realtor in yeah. the Okanagan yeah. and not understanding that a good part of your clientele might be from Alberta. Imagine being that dense. So... Uh, this guy, this Ben Houghton guy, he uh, worked for Century 21, mm-hmm. worked. <laughs> uh, uh, so anyway, he went on Facebook and decided to say, Alberta, such crybabies. Don't worry, Alberta. Your greed will soon be back in full swing. So an Albertan gentleman named Ryan Bayrak responded and said, Ben Houghton, I will make sure none of our province buy houses in the Okanagan from you. Thanks for showing your class and advertising the company you work for. Uh, Vantage West has way better employees anyways. And so to uh, give all the credit to Century 21, they immediately fired the guy. And uh, they said, uh, yeah, Realtor with her firm, Ben Houghton, made negative comments about, about Albertans. We wholeheartedly disagree with the remarks made about our fellow Canadians. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Anything else interesting? Uh, yeah, basically, they're just saying they canned him right away. And then this uh, this guy from Alberta said, hey, like they handled the whole situation very professionally and with no hesitation. Please make, please make sure they get the credit they deserve. But, you know, I, I don't like the whole, as they call it, cancel culture now. I don't like how, you know, you say one thing that's not politically correct or you do something slightly wrong and you're supposed to be fired and lose your livelihood. Like, I don't like that, how that's a big thing nowadays. Um, but in this case, when you're just stupid, yeah. when you're just stupid and it's not because you weren't politically correct or you, you know, weren't, uh, whatever, just uh, however society is now, you weren't perfectly in sync with that, or you had the wrong political views, nothing like that. You're just an idiot. You don't understand where your money comes from, and you're a dumb jackass, and then you have to go and blab your idiocy all over uh, a, a worldwide forum. He deserved to be fired. Fuck this guy. Well, <clears throat> I'll finish this with what I call the vegetable soup. Okay, you'll get where I'm going here in a minute. With the GST, the PST... And the NDP 
running BC, they should be kissing every Albertan's ass to come over into their province and buy property. Yeah. Um, we're having a problem here, and we all know, or most of us know, that the election did not go the way that we wanted it to on Tuesday here in Western Canada. Unfortunately, the Liberals won again, and uh, even though um, we did make some progress with Conservative in Alberta, we just did not make enough of an impact on the national scene. Having said that, we're having a problem moving our product, which is most valuable to Alberta, which is black gold, which is the oil industry. But they're having the same problem in BC with their number one, their number one product, which is forestry. They're having a problem with that too. So again, not to sound repetitive, but with GST, PST, and the NDP in BC, and you have to, uh, you know, it's just to me, you should be kissing the ass of every Albertan. I mean, I was just in BC, as you know, visiting my daughter back in August, and I couldn't believe how expensive things were in BC. Your father, your mother both live in BC, at least part-time, but maybe all-time now. full-time. Full-time now in in the Kelowna area, beautiful part of the world, but they're paying for it, folks. Let me tell you, they are paying for it. And I just think that that guy, I agree with you. I mean, you say something off the collar, you say something in jest, I don't think you should be fired. But like you say, when when it's doing something that hurts your business's brand by what you say, I mean, I go back to my brother-in-law, Jim. He's got a place in Windermere, B.C., and there's a big sign that before you turn off to his place to go down to the lake in Windermere, it says, oh, you Alberta, what, you know, they don't, they claim not to like Albertans there, but they sure like Albertans when it's tax time. Um, I think that this company did the right thing and good on them. I really do. Um... Again, BC people should be kissing the ass of Alberta, of anybody that wants to be buying property. Because again, people sometimes don't realize this, but that's tax revenue. That's another person that you can bill. And that strengthens your economy. Getting more people to live in your province, live in your county, whatever, wherever you live. But the more people, there's more opportunities to nail people with taxes. And that's what the governments are all for, folks, I'm telling you. We've got a run on this 415th episode of Unscripted. We thank you for joining us. Another great week of shows here on Unscripted. A lot of things to talk about. We covered a lot of things. Great, uh, and as Chris says to me, it's my escape for the week, and I certainly enjoy it and uh, hope that we can continue to do so. Weather almost got us today, but now weather has done a 180-degree turn here in Nirvana, so we'll be able to make it home before it starts snowing. But We've got to run, and uh, again, thanks everybody for participating. Hope that you continue to do so. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.